Welcome back, everybody, to Men on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Brad Richard, and uh, welcome to another episode of our new podcast for 2021, Men on a Mission podcast. We have a special guest with us uh, for this episode. His name is Sean Quigley, and he represents an amazing organization for veterans called Pets for Vets. Pets for Vets. And uh, it, it's, it's just a great organization. So I believe Sean is with us. Are you there? I am. Thanks for having me on, Brad. I appreciate it. You bet, Sean. Thanks for being on the, on the podcast. Um, I, I didn't uh, get a chance to ask you before, uh, we, you know, we were talking before we went on air. Um, are you Army, Army, Air Force, Marines? What branch were you in? Yes, uh, I served uh, four years active duty in the Army. Uh, I was a medic, uh, the 1st Army Division, 2nd Infantry Division. Awesome. Okay, well, I worked with, I worked with you guys a lot because I was uh, seven years Army and I was a military police officer. So oh, okay. uh, uh, us, and the, uh, us and the medics spent like a lot of time together. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I'm definitely f- familiar with you guys. Uh, I was, uh, my active tour was in Anchorage, Alaska. And I was with the 56 Military Police Company in Anchorage, Alaska for three years. So okay. that, that was an experience. Um, yeah, wow. I'm sure. A yeah. cold one, I'm the, sure. The stories I could tell you. Um, uh, I, I, I have one story about Alaska, and, and you might find this uh, somewhat humorous because uh, the outcome was, was, was positive. It wasn't, it wasn't bad. But uh, we had so much snow in Anchorage. Um, one particular winter, uh, I was there for four years in, in Alaska, and uh, we had so much snow on Fort Richardson that I, uh, I pulled up in, in my little OG green uh, sedan, uh, the military police vehicle. I pulled up to the PX and uh, going to check the building and, and it was, you know, freezing and we had like three feet of snow on the ground. It was crazy. But uh, I, I felt kind of a bump when I pulled up to the PX and uh, it's like, well, that's kind of strange. It must've hit a hard spot in the snow. So I, I uh, pulled up, I left the sedan running. I went and did my building check, my perimeter check of the PX, made sure it's secure and everything. And uh, came back, got into the, uh, got into the sedan and uh, started to pull away from the PX. And uh, there was this bump in the snow and it started to move. And uh, I was like, what in the world is buried in the snow? It's moving. So I got out of the sedan and walked over and it was a native, a native, Alaska native that was uh, on the base on Fort Richardson for his National Guard training. Mm-hmm. And, and he had had a little bit, uh, a little bit too much to drink because out in the bush of Alaska, it, uh, they're dry. There is no alcohol in the bush. And so uh, these, uh, these guys would come into Fort Richardson where they could drink. And uh, he just kind of made himself a little igloo and bur- burrowed himself into the snow. And then, and then uh, when, when, when I pulled up on him, you know, uh, the sedan was running and he was like, hey, this is warm. You know, I'm nice and warm and cozy. I'm underneath this car. But uh, I discovered that that was the that was the speed bump, or the bump that I hit when I pulled up to the PX. So, but he was fine. We uh, we got him up and took him to Almendorf Air Force Base to the hospital there, and and uh, yeah, he was okay. He didn't have he had no scrapes, no broken bones, and uh, he was highly intoxicated. But but he was warm, and uh, and, and he kind of knew uh, what had happened. Uh, I think he even asked me, did you run over me? <laughs> so, so I had to say, yeah, I did. Sorry, you were buried in the snow and I didn't know you were laying there, you know. Sounds like uh, a dangerous place to take a nap. Yeah, so, well, he just kind of, like I said, burrowed into a snowbank that was up against the PX and right there where we parked. And yeah, so that's one of my funny stories from Alaska. And I have some other ones that aren't, aren't that, aren't that, you know funny um didn't have really good outcomes but so anyway start off with a little humor uh but that that was one of my fondest memories of serving in in uh, in alaska uh it is so cold up there and then we used to do our 
our uh, winter training in Fairbanks. Uh, and, and Fairbanks in a tent where you had to go to the bathroom outside of the tent uh, with the Yukon stoves and the Mo gas up on a tripod. Whew, let me tell you, yeah. Fairbanks is, is, uh, is wicked. So um, anyway, we'll uh, <laughs> just uh, throw that out there. Cause like I said, uh, that's, that's one of my fond fondest memories. And I've told that story to a lot of folks and they're like, I, you know, they, they, I've been asked dozens of times, you know, didn't you feel guilty? And it's like, well, yeah, but I didn't know, you know, I mean, when you have yeah, that much snow, um, even, even in Alaska, I mean, they plow like every 20 minutes, but they push everything up against the buildings and, uh, up, up there, you know, in, in Alaska, they have real snow drifts up there. They're, uh, they're huge. So, yeah, <laughs> but I'm really excited to have you on the podcast and, uh, you are uh, connected with or affiliated with uh, the organization Pets for Vets. And I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, turn the mic over to you and tell the listeners uh, about the organization, when it started, and, uh, and the mission that, that this organization is, uh, is on and uh, what they're doing for our men and women out there uh, serving our great country. Yeah, uh, so thanks for that. Um, and uh, just before I even jump into it, just thank you for allowing uh, me as a representative from Pets for Vets to have time on your podcast. Um, it's, it's very important for us to get our name out there so veterans know we're here also, so uh, potential volunteers know we're here, others who might want to help the organization know that we're here. So thank you very much for that. Um, so about, uh, I guess it was about 10 years ago or so, um, I had a buddy of mine um, who contacted me and he said uh, he had received uh, a contact, a uh, phone call, some emails from a group called Pets for Vets. Um, and it was really kind of a, a good timing for me because um, I had been looking for some avenue to help veterans um, during my, my time off from work. and. Um, I'm a huge dog lover as well. So uh, when I did some due diligence about pets or vets, I looked into it a little bit. It, it seemed like a really good match for kind of what I wanted to do. And the short version, I'll get into the longer version in a second, but the short version is that what we do is we take animals from shelters and we train them and put them together with veterans that need a companion animal. Um, the uh, program was started, I think it was around 2008, 2009, don't quote me on that, um, by a young lady named Clarissa Black. Um, she is a fascinating, uh, lady because, uh, she's one of these people that like, if you've ever seen the, the dog whisperer guy and some of the other animal trainers that you see on TV, they just seem to have this additional sense and this additional connection, uh, with animals. She's one of those types of people. Um, you know, she, she went to, she went to school for, uh, things of that nature. She has a, like a bachelor degree in animal science. And I think she has a master's in anthrozoology or something along those lines. She worked as a dolphin trainer for a while. I, I think she, I think she did training, uh, with a bunch of other animals. Um, she just has that kind of knack and, and an ability to kind of connect and understand animals. And, you know, she, she did a lot of volunteer work as well. And, she was working um, at a VA uh, center uh, at one point, working with some veterans, and she kept kind of hearing the same thing over and over again. She would have her dog with her, who was, of course, very, very well trained. And, you know, all the veterans would gravitate towards the dog. And then, you know, eventually she would move on to, to work with another veteran, say hello to another veteran. And they would all say, wow, like, I, I love your dog. I wish I could have your dog. And just you know, that come, could you come back again so I could see your dog again soon? You know, these types of things kept, kept kind of happening. And her dog was a rescue dog. You know, it, it was not, you know, uh, one of these, uh, a dog that she got from another place that it was already fully service dog trained or anything along those lines. It was just a, a rescue dog that she had trained. Um, again, of course, she's being an animal trainer. She trained it very well, but it was still, it was a rescue dog. Um, so she kind of had this light bulb moment at one point and she, you know, she kind of thought, you know, I, I wonder if there's something I can do here to try and kind of expand this from me, one person finding some dogs for a few veterans here and there that might be good for them. You know, maybe there's something I can do to try and replicate this um, and, and, and 
try and help more veterans and get more good dogs out of shelters. Um, and that's, of course, the, the how Pets for Vets was born. Um, we do have kind of a national Pets for Vets organization, but we also have, uh, I want to say about 25 or 30 chapters around the country right now. And each one of those chapters is its own 501c3. Of course, they're supported by the National Pets for Vets organization, especially when they first get going. You know, they get a lot of initial supplies and materials from Pets for Vets. Um, and that's how I got started, how, how I got involved, because we didn't have a chapter in the area where I live in Southeast North Carolina. And I helped start the chapter here. Um, I'm currently the chapter director still after whatever, nine or 10 years, I guess it's been. Um, and, I, and I really do enjoy what I do. And, and, and the process kind of in short is we get an application from a veteran. Um, we take a look at the application, give the veteran a call. Uh, we'll do a face-to-face -face meeting uh, so they can kind of get to know us. We can get to know them a little bit. You know, we might meet for coffee somewhere. Uh, just kind of keep it pretty casual so we can kind of get to know each other a little bit. Um, our trainer will be there as well. So usually it's the chapter director and the trainer and possibly somebody else to maybe take some notes or, or offer some support. Um, but it's just kind of a get to know you kind of thing both ways, you know, so they can get to know our organization and what we offer. Um, and then eventually we'll do an in-home visit uh, so we can see the environment that the dog is going to go into. Um, and just to give you an example there, you know, I've worked with uh, an older Vietnam veteran who had some injuries from his war and he wasn't able to get around very well. He lived by himself in a very small condo, hardly ever went outside. Um, and I've helped an OIF, OEF veteran who uh, was a younger guy, was incredibly active. He had, he had a, a wife and two very small children and he had a huge yard, huge fenced in yard. He was always on the go. Um, you know, he liked to go for jogs. He liked to go to the beach. He liked to surf. He liked to play Frisbee golf. Um, so, you know, there's two completely different situations that we're looking at when you look at something like on those kind of ends of the spectrum there in terms of different situations that the dog is going to be going into that we need to try and find for them. So kind of once we get to know the veteran fairly well, once we get to know the situation the dog's going into, we start kind of building a profile of the type of dog that we're looking for, for that particular veteran. Um, and then we'll, at that point, then we start going out to shelters uh, in our area and we start looking through shelters and trying to find a dog that matches that profile. Um, if once we do find that dog, we'll put them through a lot of socialization tests um, to make sure that they pass all of our socialization tests. They have to pass those before we pull them uh, from the shelter. Um, and if they pass those tests, we'll put them into our foster homes where our trainers will work with them. Um, we get them up to speed as far as their training is concerned. Uh, we make sure that they're healthy, they're up to date on shots, they're microchipped, um, all those uh, necessary things to make sure the dog is completely healthy and ready to go before we have match day. Once they're all ready to go, we'll schedule match day with a veteran. Um, we'll bring them all the initial supplies that they'll need, dog dishes, toys, leashes, dog beds, all those types of things. Um, it doesn't cost the veteran anything because we exist on donations, so we buy those supplies for the veteran. Um, we bring those with us on match day or typically a few days before or a week before. Um, and then we work with the veteran to make sure that the veteran understands the training that we put the dog through. So they use similar commands, you know, they, they uh, follow the advice of our trainers. Our trainers work very closely with them and follow up, you know, the next day, several days afterwards, and then as things you know, start to progress as they start to form a bond, uh, then our trainer will start to make uh, less frequent visits um, and have less, more inter intermittent uh, calls with them. Um, but you see the bond really form usually pretty quickly between our dogs and our veterans because we do work very hard to try and find the right dog for our veterans. Um, and and it's, it's really, honestly, it's really heartwarming. And every time we have match day, it's, it's something that really uh, gives me uh, gives me a good vibe and really kind of helps me keep going and keep volunteering and, and do what I do to, to help vets for vets, help our dogs and help our veterans. Yeah. That, I hope that wasn't uh, too long-winded, Brad. Sorry. No, <laughs> I got no. I, I love talking about it, so I'll just run on for a while sometimes. No, that's 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 fine. Um, is, is that my voice coming through your speakers or? Yep, I got it. Oh, okay. Um, <clears throat> I heard a little background, so I didn't know if it was on my end or yours. Uh, my first question that popped into my head is, 
if someone is out, you know, out there listening and they would be interested or want to look into starting a chapter in their area, what would be their first step in doing so? Because obviously more chapters, uh, you know, is better. Yeah, of course. Yeah, the more chapters we have, the more veterans we can help, the more dogs we can get out of shelters. So, yeah, I mean, it's really simple. They can go to petsforvets.com. And there is there are forms in there where you can apply um, to be a supporter or a volunteer for our organization. And there's lots of things that you can check when you when you're interested in being a volunteer. You can say that you're interested in starting a chapter. You can say that you're simply interested in in, in donating to Pest for Vets. There's a lot of different areas that you can uh, that you can check. But if you say that you're interested in helping to start a chapter then our national, that's part of what our national organization does. They're always kind of trying to put together folks from different areas, you know, and kind of have that grassroots thing going on where, hey, we've heard from four or five people in Tuscaloosa that are interested in supporting Pets for Vets. So let's see if we can continue building this. Let's do some advertising in the area, see if we can get the right trainers that we need, see if somebody's, you know, hey, we already have somebody who's willing to be chapter director. So let's see if we can try and get this chapter off the ground. Um, so yeah, I mean, they can go to the pestforvets.com and, and apply to be a volunteer. Um, you know, you could, you could be a chapter director soon. You could be one of our trainers soon. You know, if you're somebody that has a good, extensive, uh, positive reinforcement training background, uh, we would love to hear from you. Um, and of course, anybody that wants to donate is, can do the same thing. They can go to Pest for Vets. You can donate right there. Um, you can select a chapter. If there's a specific chapter you want to, you know, if somebody lives in Southeast North Carolina, they've probably seen me around at different events and, um, you know, my name on flyers and things like that. So they, oh, there's Pets for Vets Cape Fear chapter. I'd love to donate to Cape Fear. You can specify your donation that goes to our chapter or, you know, another chapter. There's one up near DC. You know, you can specify that too. So bestforvets.com, our website has a lot of really good information. And if you want to see an impact, of what we do, our website is a fantastic place to go because there's a lot of veteran stories out there. Um, we're fortunate we've had a lot of veterans who kind of checked the box and said, yes, it's okay to, to, use, uh, to use our information to let other veterans know kind of how this has helped me. Um, so we have a lot of veteran stories out there. Um, I would recommend uh, bringing a couple tissues with you when you, when you log on to those. Um, because they're, they're, it's a pretty heartwarming thing uh, when, you see, when you see veterans in their matches and kind of how that bond has really helped them in their quality of life. Wow. wow. Yeah, it's, uh, I think that, um, I mean, we'll put your website in the show notes. So for the listeners, we'll put the link to the website in the show notes. You just click on it. You can go right there. And then you can, there's a donate page. Um, now, do you guys have a YouTube channel? Uh, I know we have videos on YouTube, but I don't know if we have a specific channel. That's a good question, Brad. Actually, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. But I know um, we do have videos out there. I know we have several videos out there. I just don't know if they're in like a channel. I'm not super right. YouTube. <laughs> right. Yeah. As far as, um, I mean, YouTube would be a real powerful tool as far as on match day. Uh, mm -hmm. to have those, those, uh, those captured, you know, those, those first time, you know, the meet and greet uh, on match day to have that, uh, that yeah. would be something positive on YouTube that, uh, you know, that yeah, you could, sure. that you could share. So um, let me see, I just have a, a few more questions. Uh, we're going to be coming up on a break here uh, and uh, we'll take that short break and come back for part two. Uh, I, when we come back after the break though, I want to get, um, I want to get into um, the emotional aspect of it and the reasoning uh, for for a need for, for this service and the emotional side um, from the veteran standpoint on on how critical this is and how important this is for veterans. Mm -hmm. um, I, I have my opinions on it and I'll, I'll share those with you and the listeners uh, when we come back after after the break. But uh, one question I had before before we uh, go to our break is: uh, is there any is there any paid staff on the with the national organization, or is this all voluntary? The national group does have some paid staff. Uh, we ha we do have some people that we 
we do pay uh, to help the national group, um, I would say stay on point with certain things. Um, I don't know who all of those people are. There's a few. Um, mm -hmm. I know we have, for example, some lawyers that we have on retainer. I don't know if they volunteer their time or they're paid. Um, you know, and I know we have a couple other, you know, of course we have people that have to, you know, maintain the finances and the books and things like that. Mm -hmm. But that aside, that's, that's the national group on the chapter level for the pets for vets chapters. We're all our own 501c3s and we're all volunteers. Um, okay. you know, and it, I find, I think it's really interesting because some of the chapters, like my chapter, uh, the volunteers that I have right now, uh, aside from myself, there's like no military affiliation there at all. Like they didn't serve. They didn't, didn't really know people that served. Um, wow. you know, like my trainer, my trainer knew somebody that served, but some, most of my other volunteers really didn't. Now, some of the other chapters are very different. Some of the other chapters are all very, uh, tied into the military, either, uh, lots of veterans or, you know, their family had lots of family members that were veterans. So it really varies, but all of the chapters, uh, the 25 or 30, like I said, chapters around the country, we're all volunteers. Okay. Now the founder, um, I think we're getting feedback from me through your computer. <laughs> um, oh, sorry well, that. yeah, I, um, I, that's just what it, what it sounded like. It's like I was coming out your speaker and coming back in your mic. So, uh, no problem. Um, when you talked about the founder, uh, it's Melissa, Melissa Black? Clarissa. Clarissa, Clarissa Black. <clears throat> now, did she have any previous connection to the military, like her father, her brothers, her grandfather? Honestly, not that I'm aware of. I don't believe so. Mm -hmm. No. She, she was doing some volunteer work with a nearby uh, VA center, and that's kind of how she gravitated towards veterans. Okay. Yeah. Now yeah. I find that really encouraging. Um, people outside of the military um, stepping into uh, a service for veterans where they have no personal connection uh, with, with veterans. And, and I find that very encouraging, very inspirational. Um, sometimes it's hard for us as veterans to, to help one another, you know, and we're mm -hmm. connected. We, uh, we, we, you know, we took the same oath and, uh, and, and it's just really uh, inspiring to see someone come from outside of the military and see a need and to, and to fill that need. Um, just that's, you know, that, I think that is really encouraging and, and we, we need more people like that, obviously, uh, along with veterans need to, help other veterans. Um, that's the purpose of my podcast, obviously. So we, we need more people helping other people is my point. So um, did you have any uh, last point you want to make? And then we're going to just jump to break. Uh, no, just uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, I, I'm so thankful to Clarissa that she recognized that she had an ability um, to help uh, affect in a very positive way the veteran community. And I'm very grateful to her that she did that. Uh, just on behalf of all the veterans that she's been able to help and all the dogs that she's been able to rescue as well. So yeah, I couldn't agree more. That's awesome. Well, um, I just want to let the listeners know we have been talking with Sean Quigley and he is representing, uh, well, he's in North Carolina, but he is a chapter director for the national organization Pets for Vets. And that's uh, who we've been talking to. So stick with us. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to get into a little more about the organization and a little more, um, uh, you know, a deeper dive into veterans as a whole and the emotional aspect of it um, and why this is such an important organization and an important service to the men and women of the arm, uh, armed services. So we will be right back after a short break. Welcome our new sponsored Scars and Stripes Coffee Company. They empower veterans to build their own business using their e-commerce platform. When you purchase from Scars and Stripes Coffee, you are buying from a veteran, and your purchase directly impacts the men and women who have served our country. Do more than say, thank you for your service. Order today and empower a veteran. Use vet code BRADRICHARD at scarsandstripescoffee.com. 
That's scarsandstripescoffee.com. Welcome back, everybody, to the Men, in a, Men on a Mission podcast. I'm your host, Brad Richard, and my guest uh, with me today is Sean Quigley from Pets for Vets. And uh, we are back from our short break. So um, he kind of told you a little bit about the organization and uh, told you um, all the you know, amazing things that this organization is doing. Um, in the second in the second part of the episode, um, l- let's get into, you know, uh, I think everyone is aware that the veterans, uh, there's, there's th- tens of thousands of veterans that are having a hard time and they're struggling with many different things. Um, the suicide rate uh, is, I mean, it's published out there 22, 22 a day. Um, you know, that fluctuates and changes, but uh, on average, it's about 22 veterans a day are committing suicide. Um, your organization and, and, and your service, Pets for Vets, I think is, is a monumental tool to help reduce those numbers. Because when it comes to whether it's, whether it's cats, kittens, uh, gerbils, hamsters, dogs, I mean, pets take people back to their childhood. And my previous podcast was all about your little me, your little person within you, and how so many answers to our adult questions can be found in the past with our little selves. Um, I think our little people really play a major um, influential role in what we do or don't do as an adult. And it causes a lot of frustration, a lot of disconnect, a lot of discouragement, and a lot of uh, despair. And when you're talking about pets, for example, uh, you know, to, to match a vet with a dog and for that vet to receive unconditional love and for the pet to respect the vet when the vet, you know, gives him a command and does what he's told and then he gets rewarded. Um, I think there's an element there that when it comes to the vets, it's an element of going back to childhood because most kids had a pet when they were, when they were little and it was their best friend. You know, they went on walks together. They went fishing together. They went to the park and played ball together. And so do you see that aspect when it comes to healing and supporting vets where it, where, where it gives them something to care, to take care of and to keep safe and, 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 to get love back, you know, give, give love to the dog and love back from the dog. Do you see that kind of playing out? Yeah, I, I see, I see a lot of what you're talking about in, in our matches. Um, I, I haven't, I've never thought about it in that way. Um, and I'm probably not around them enough to go that deep into the psychological part of it. Mm-hmm. But what I can tell you, um, I can give you, just give you some examples. Um, I matched a dog with a gunny that was just about done uh, with his career. Um, he had done a little over 20 years, um, you know, multiple tours overseas, uh, Purple Heart veteran, uh, or was about to uh, be uh, uh, exit a- active duty. So, you know, had a Purple Heart. And, um, you know, he, um, he had a, a two-story um, townhouse that he lived in, and he typically slept downstairs on the couch. Um, the bedroom was upstairs, but he almost never slept upstairs, um, you know, because a lot of veterans can identify with this. You know, he was very anxious. He had poor sleeping habits. Um, when he did go to sleep, it was at very short, you know, he'd get short blasts of sleep. Um, you know, he usually had weapons readily available um, because he was basically just, you know, he was constantly on guard because of his anxiety, because of his PTSD, because a lot of the things that he had going on inside of his head, you know, he was constantly on guard. Um, so we had match day for him. 
And now this, this, uh, uh, you know, is a bit of an extreme example, but what he told me is that that night he slept for almost eight hours upstairs in bed. And that was the first time that had happened to him in many years. Um, so right there, one of the things that you can look at is the massive quality of life impact that that has for him. And for whatever reason that is, I can't really explain it, whether it's the fact I call them furry battle buddies, you know, we in the military law, we all had a battle buddy, right? At some point in time, whether it was when you were in basic or whether you were out with your unit or wherever you were, at some point in time, you had a battle buddy. So I call them furry, our little furry battle buddies, whether that's, you know, the fact that he had his furry battle buddy there when he was trying to sleep, maybe that made him feel the comfort that he needed to feel or lowered the anxiety enough so he could get that sleep that he needed. Um, maybe there was something else about it. You know, maybe, maybe it took him back to his childhood when he had a dog when he was a child because he did have dogs when he was younger. And maybe, again, maybe there was some comfort level that he had developed when he was a child with his dogs. And, and again, he just felt that connection with his new match right away. So it allowed him to get sleep. But if you talk to anybody, if you talk to anybody and they only got an hour or two of sleep the night before, and you ask them how they feel, they're going to feel pretty grumpy. They're going to feel pretty miserable. Their body's probably going to hurt a little bit. You know, things are going to ache a little more than they usually ache. It's going to be a little harder to move than it normally is. And you're not going to feel like you have a lot of concentration. You're not going to feel like you have a lot of focus, et cetera. Well, compare that to when you get a good night's sleep, when you get seven, eight plus hours of sleep, all of a sudden the world doesn't seem so bad. You know, your body doesn't hurt as much. You can focus a little more. You can think a little clearer. Um, you know, it's just, it, it makes, it makes a world of difference in terms of your quality of life. And, and for him to tell us that, that meant the world to me. You know, I, I have poor sleep patterns myself and, and so it's very easy for me to talk about that because those are all the things that I experience. I regularly have, you know, my body hurts all the time because I'm not getting the sleep that I need to get. I can't focus as much as I need to. I can't think, you know, I call it fuzzy brain. I'm, I'm not clear when I'm thinking a lot. And you know, and I hear this from a lot of our veterans, you know, um, something else that another example, um, I, I did a match with a buddy of mine. Um, he, he was a Purple Heart veteran as well. And he isolated a lot in, in his home. And after match day, it was about a week or two later, um, I, uh, I was hanging out with a buddy of mine who owns a gym. And here come I'll just use his first name. Here comes Matt. And Matt has his dog with him and he just comes walking into the gym, just like as happy as he could be. And he was like, Hey, check out my dog. Look at what my dog can do. And he's like, you know, he's taking the dog through all the, all the, um, all the commands that we taught him. And he's not paying attention to anything else. All he's paying attention to is his dog and his relationship with his dog. Right. He's not looking for egress points. He's not worried about that car that's pulled that just pulled into the parking lot. He's not worried about that pile of trash over there in the corner of the parking lot and whether that's got an IED in it. You know, I mean, he's not thinking about those things. He's focused on his dog and he's out in the community. He's out. He's not isolating anymore. He's out in the community and he's talking to other people, even indirectly through, you know, kind of his relationship with his dog. But he's out and about. He's getting out. He's 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 re, he's reconnecting with the community, um, and and that is again a massive quality of life improvement, you know. And mm -hmm. and when I see these things, it, again, it's very very heartwarming for me because, you know, I'm 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 having, you know, hopefully that really positive quality of life impact, you know, one match at a time, and it doesn't, you know. It, it bothers me sometimes that I can't do more um, because I see that positive impact. And, and I basically wish I could get a dog for every single veteran and be like, here, we train the perfect dog for you. Because <laughs> right. um, I, I think now I don't think it would help everyone, but I do think it would help an awful, uh, awfully high percentage of veterans. Mm -hmm. um, because like you say, I mean, it is a very somber topic, but when you say 22 a day, every veteran knows what you're talking about. And I tell people, look, there's not 22 veterans a day committing suicide because they're getting wonderful care. Um, right. Uh, you know, and, and I hate to say that because there are a lot of people at 
at the VA and there's a lot of people at other supportive, organ supportive veterans organizations who are trying their best to help veterans. But you know, when you hear a number like that, when you see those statistics, you know, it's not just statistics. These are, these are men and women that have served our country and, and they're not getting what they need, whatever that is, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and I think as a country, we have to try and do better in that area. And, and I'm very grateful that even though it's on a small scale, you know, I'm, I'm doing a little part here to try and help some of our veterans and trying to get, you know, these are great dogs. We're getting some great dogs out of shelters too. Um, and they're so, it's like, they know, it's like, they know, you know, that they've had kind of a rough time because they're in a shelter. And it's like, when we have match day, it's almost like they know, Hey, Hey, this, this young man, this young woman had a bit of a rough time too. Maybe we should be buddies, mm -hmm. you know, and that bond just formed so quickly. And it's so heartwarming to me. Um, I just, I, I love telling people about it. And, and, and again, I'm grateful that, that you, you're having me on so I, so I can tell, you know, more people, um, even if it's not pets for vets, you know, of course I'm biased. I love pets for vets. I think it's great. But even if you find another veterans organization out there that you can support um, or your local animal shelter, you know, we, we get dogs from animal shelters. That's where we get them from, you know? So if you can support your local animal shelter, if you can support veterans organizations um, and try and help them out, I mean, that's, I think it's so important that people get involved, whether you have a military connection or not, you know, it's just, mm -hmm. these are people that have sacrificed a lot for our country. Um, and, and I think it's wonderful when people choose to try and get involved, to spend a little bit of their time and energy um, to help out. Um, I just, I'd love to see it. And I'm very grateful for all those that help us. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. Um, I wanted to, to back up to the two stories that you told the one with the gentleman, um, that had a hard time, you know, sleeping. Um, mm -hmm. and, and he was always on guard. Um, and then the other gentleman that was self-isolating and not getting out in, in the world, um, you know, uh, through, through my clients, through my mentoring and through the people that, that I speak with, um, what came to mind or what popped into my head when you were telling those stories, the, the first gentleman, um, it sounded like, when that when that transformation happened and and he in that first night with with his with his new dog um he felt safe and he felt protected and um that just took him back to a place of security and safety and uh i know when i know growing up um you know my dog was always there to protect me and no one could ever get anywhere near me because my dog would take care of him, you know, and it gave me that sense of security and protection. And I, and I knew he, that he would stand, that he would stand up to anybody uh, to protect, you know, his, his little buddy. And so, um, so, you know, he obviously felt safe and, uh, and, and felt calm and at peace and, and for him, it was comfort, you know, and it was that dog was providing his soul comfort and uh, kind of like a warm blanket, you know, and uh, he was able to sleep. So, you know, that was the that was the first story uh, and I wanted to comment on. And the second one is the gentleman that was self-isolating when he shift his focus away from his fears and his anxiety and he shifted it onto something that he was excited about that he loved loved and cared about and for him it was like going to the park with his dog hanging out with his buddies you know and showing off his uh his little dude and what he could do you know mm -hmm. and so his mindset shifted from the paranoia, the fear, the anxiety, and it shifted to something positive and, and something that he was truly excited about right down to his core. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, as you said, he was kind of oblivious to the world around him. None of those things were, you know, he, he didn't have his sights on anything outside of the dog because that was that, that he was living in that moment with the dog. And that was the most, amazing thing at that, at that, at that, at that time. 
So, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and it's those two stories I've seen, I've seen that I've heard it. Um, the people that I, that I work with, um, it, it's a reoccurring theme. It's a reoccurring theme where people, um, going through all this negative stuff that we all deal with, you know, um, finding that place of peace and happiness and, and being excited about something instead of fearful of something. And I, I am so, um, you know, I'm honored to have you on because this is, I think this organization is, is uh, obviously it's making a difference. Um, I think I read on the website. Oh, you guys have like 500 plus matches. Is that right? Or is that? Yeah, over, I know. We're, I know we're over 500 matches. Yep. I don't know exactly how many now, but we're over 500. Yes. Which I just, I, I love, I love yeah. throwing that out there to people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is literally 500 animals that were saved and 500 soldiers that were probably saved because of that match. And that's, uh, that's, that, that, that's some, that's some big stats right there. You know, that, that is, that is a, a major accomplishment and the podcast and why I wanted to have you on is my goal and my focus. And I hope, hopefully you can appreciate this being a fellow vet. my goal and focus is helping vets and their families to get to that, to get to that place on their own, if that makes sense, um, mm -hmm. to get to that place of peace and calm and strength and to find something inside them that makes them feel like your friend that took, that brought his dog to the gym, you know, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, at the time that might've been his only thing he was excited about in his whole life was that mm -hmm. dog. And so, you know, my goal is to help vets get to that place, maybe without a dog. I mean, if they can do it with a dog or a cat or you know, they could do it with a pet, that's great, but they need to, but they need to be there and they need, and, and we need to help them find that place where, where, you know, they can just be ecstatic about something as simple as, you know, look, my dog, you know, can, can flip over a biscuit, you know? And so, yeah. um, so that's, you know, I, I think, as you mentioned earlier, there are so many organizations and there's so many um, resources. Uh, I reached out to probably a dozen different national organizations national uh, veteran organizations. And to be honest with you, I got very little response, mm. very little response because they're so big. Mm. They're, they're, they're so big and they are, um, they're kind of a bureaucracy, you know, I mean, and, and they're, they're, they're very big. And, you know, that was probably part of the reason why I didn't get a lot of responses back. Um, but I simply asked them to let me help in, in the way I can, you know, right. Um, right. Um, your organization was the third person, the third uh, contact that I made the third one. Well, you were the first one to respond, but since then I've had two other, other organizations mm -hmm. respond. And um, my goal is not to take away from your organization or any any other huge national organization, it's to find a blank that find a blank and fill it because mm -hmm. there's a lot of veterans, you know, like you said, there's a lot of organizations out there, including the VA, but there's a lot of blanks that are being missed. And sure. I think we need to fill every single one of them. And, uh, you know, and, and help in any way we can. And uh, your way is one way, but it is a great way, I think, because it yeah. really gets to the core of who the veterans are. And uh, hey, it gives, it gives them something to protect. And uh, that's what 
all of us really want to do. You know, we mm -hmm. want to protect and defend and we want to be strong people. So yep. um, what um, what are the last, you know, last few things here um, that you would like the listeners to know about the organization? Um, any personal story that you have or or any emotional um, real message that you want the listeners to understand how important this is? Yeah, um, I just, you know, I mentioned it earlier. I think, I think this is very important for people who, I mean, obviously, if somebody's listening to this podcast, they have some interest in supporting um, either veterans or maybe their local shelter or something along those lines. Um, I, I would encourage them um, to, you know, you don't have to, um, you know, I have some retirees, for example, that volunteer with us because they, you know, they, they have a lot of time now. Um, so they're volunteering with them and I love them to death, but you don't have to wait until, you know, you have huge blocks of time like that to get involved. It might be something, um, as simple as, you know, doing, doing something for somebody where you, you help send things out or you help create, you know, flyers that you can post online for different, uh, different things to try and get, uh, either our organization's name out there or other organizations that are supporting veterans. Um, you know, and you, you don't have to, it doesn't take a lot, you know, if we, if we have, uh, you know, several small numbers of people here and there that are willing to give an hour, a couple hours a week, you know, that, that adds up, you know, and, you know, if you have somebody who's kind of organizing that and, and pushing it all in lockstep in the, in the right direction, then you can really affect change. Um, and you can have a very positive quality of life impact on a lot of our veterans and, uh, and a lot of great dogs that are out there in our shelters. So, um, you know, I just, I, I look forward to, to having more volunteers coming into our chapters. And uh, I appreciate all the volunteers we have because they do great work um, in supporting our veterans and, and finding great dogs for them. Um, and, you know, there's a ton of information on our website, petsforvets.com. I would encourage people to go there. Again, there's a lot of veteran stories out there. Um, you can see different chapters around the country that have done different matches. Um, again, have some tissue handy because uh, <laughs> uh, it, it really is heartwarming to see the, the change, uh, the positive change in, in a lot of these veterans' lives. You know, and they, they again, they might go from like like my buddy Matt, that you know, is somebody that was doing a lot of isolating to, you know, now he he completes a lot of you know, daily living activities that he didn't before, you know, um, going out and interacting with, with other, other people, you know, just taking their dogs for walks a lot creates those little, those little, Hey, how you doing? I saw you yesterday. Yeah. That's a great dog you got, you know, and next thing you know, they're, they're talking with their neighbors, you know, every couple hours when they take their dog out for a walk, um, you know, that interaction, that little interaction can be something that, that helps save someone. You know, and, and you really don't know what somebody's going through. And obviously the veteran community is really, really affected by the long wars that we've had been going on, the multiple deployments a lot of people do, and, and it's had a, a huge negative impact. So something like our organization or other veterans organizations that are working to support our veteran community, um, you know, try, try and get involved, try and support. Um, even just send a note or a letter. Hey, thanks for what you do. I, I love it. You know, I hope, I hope to see you guys at an event soon. You know, any of those things could be helpful. And, and of course, a podcast like yours that reaches a lot of people, Brad, again, uh, thank you for having us on, having me on so I can talk more about Pets for Vets and, and get the word out there. You never know, maybe this podcast um, has somebody that contacts us and eventually gets a match. And, you know, maybe that saves a doggy and maybe that saves a veteran. Um, so thank Absolutely. you for that. And thank you for everybody that, that's, that listened to us today. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You are, you are more than welcome. Um, I think my volume's up again. <laughs> it's bad enough. I have to hear myself once, but if I have to hear myself twice, then it's, uh, you know, then it's just over the, over the edge, but um, yeah, you're very welcome. It's been a, a complete honor to have you on the podcast. Um, the podcast the previous podcast when it was the man at 50 podcast um reached about 36 37 countries uh, uh you know including the united states um but we have we have men and women serving in our military all over the world and uh and you know i 
you know, hopefully it, it reaches some of them or, or their family members overseas, um, you know, and, and, and uh, provides them some information and some hope, you know. Um, I'm going to wrap up here because we're, we're, we're right, right at the end, but I had just a couple other questions uh, real quick. And once again, for the listeners, uh, in the show notes, we will have petsforvets.com. We'll have the link in the show notes and you can just click on that and head on over and get all the information and hopefully get involved with this, uh, with this great organization. But when, when you are looking at a vet uh, and, and helping them to set up a match, okay, um, for them, are you doing this only with soldiers that are out of service now or are you doing this for soldiers that are currently serving yeah that's a great question uh we we typically don't work with active duty um but i do say typically because of course everything is situational right Mm -hmm. if somebody is uh for example like the gunny that i just worked with not too long ago um now he was right at the end of his career so he was not going on any more deployments um, he was on his last set of orders. He was about done. So we have no problem working uh, with a guy like that. Uh, if somebody else maybe is non-deployable for whatever reason, um, then that's somebody that we, we might be able to work with. But typically, we only work with veterans. Um, we're trying to not create a problem where, for example, if I have somebody who you know, is, 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 in, is in the infantry and in, in the army, um, they're going to get deployed pretty frequently. Um, and you know, what, what are we going to do with the dog? You know, so before we even place a match with that particular soldier, um, we, we have concerns, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, and we don't want to create a problem, you know, we, we don't want to make anything worse. And, and that could be something that causes difficulty for them because maybe they're really worried about what happens with the dog, you know? So, so we just kind of want to stay away from creating any issues. We want to do everything we can to try and help. And most of what we see there is people either at the end of the careers, non-deployable, or just, just working with veterans. Um, so that's, that's a really good question. But I do say any veteran that believes that they could benefit from having a companion dog is more than willing to apply. I, one of the other questions I get from a lot of veterans is, you know, do I have to have a diagnosis of PTSD or TBI? Do I have to have a physical injury? Do I have to have a purple heart? You know, do I have to have, you know, whatever? And all you need is a DD-214 that showed that you served and your belief that you could benefit from a companion animal. And if we have a chapter in your area, we will do what we can to try and help. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Excellent. Um, Sean, I really appreciate you being on the, uh, on the podcast uh, today. It was, uh, it was great to have you. Uh, I would, uh, what I would love to see is, and I don't, this might be happening already, but I would love to see um, the, the chapters that exist now visiting some VA hospitals. Do you know if that, has that happened? Um, has any of the chapters actually, you know, kind of, you know, kind of taken in like a few dogs to visit vets that are, that are in VA facilities? Well, I, it's, it's, a, it's a little different from VA to VA about kind of who they're willing to work with and who they're willing to um, have come into their facility. Right. Um, I hate to say that. I'm not trying to throw stones at them because, again, I know, I know they're doing what they can to try and help veterans, but there are different rules, so it's not hard and fast across the country. What mm-hmm. I can tell you is that, for example, we did a match uh, with a veteran um, about a year and a half or two years ago, and he kept his dog in training. Now, he did this on his own. He took his dog all the way through therapy dog training, which we don't do, but he did. He worked with our trainer to continue that training, and then he went to the local VA and asked if it would be okay for him and his therapy dog to go to our particular VA and, and work with veterans there, and they approved that. Exactly. Um, so, so, that was, so that was something, again, that I'd love to see that because that was we worked with a veteran and we helped him and then he paid it forward to other veterans in our area uh, on his own and I, and I love to see that uh, so I know that happens at certain chapters around the country where stories like that um, some of our volunteers some of our trainers have done the same kind of thing where they've gone to their local VAs and asked if it's okay for them to bring in a therapy dog to work with veterans 
Um, so, so it's kind of happening on a, on a case by case basis, but yes, that is occurring in our different chapters around the country. Yes. I think it's a stronger approach to healing and, uh, and that, that soul, you know, connection, uh, you know, far greater than any kind of narcotics or any kind of prescriptions. Um, you know, I, those are important. I, I get that, but, uh, reaching into their hearts and letting them cry and letting them feel something for the first time in a long time, maybe, uh, mm -hmm. letting them feel something and, uh, being there and, uh, and sharing that positive experience with them. Yeah. That's, uh, that's an important step in the right direction, I think. So, uh, Agreed. we're going to, we're going to leave it at that. Uh, you guys don't want to, you don't, you don't want to hear me and Sean just, you know, start, you know, wailing here, uh, and getting all <laughs> emotional. So we're going to wrap that up. But, uh, once again, thanks, uh, Sean Quigley, uh, he is with pets for vets. Please, uh, check out this organization, donate if you can. Uh, this is, uh, this is something you can donate to, uh, that is actually going to make a difference. Uh, it's not just going into, a a big slush fund, it's going to actually go uh, directly to vets and, um, you know, it goes towards uh, the materials and the dog dishes and, the, you know, the, the dog bones and, and that kind of stuff. And, and uh, so it's going to go to a good cause. So donate if you can, get involved uh, in any way that you can. If you are interested in starting your own chapter and you are in an area that they don't have a chapter, then think about doing that as well. There's so many ways you can get involved. Um, so I just encourage you to do that. So check out the link in the show notes. And uh, uh, any last word uh, for the listener, Sean, and then I'm going to let you go and we're going to scoot out of here. <laughs> no, just to say thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate it, Brad. You're very welcome. All right, folks, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Men on a Mission podcast. And I want to thank you for listening. Please tell your friends. Uh, friends, family, coworkers, uh, anyone that is connected to the uh, the armed forces uh, of the uh, of the military here in the United States of America, we want to thank you for listening. And we'll be back in a couple of weeks with another episode of the Man on a Mission podcast. But uh, make sure you listen all the way to the end because, uh, like uh, our last episode, we have a special treat uh, that you can sing along to uh, as we close out the show. But for now, I will let you go. I've been your host, Brad Richard. And thanks again for joining us on the Men on a Mission podcast. Bye for now. First to fight for the right and to build the nation's might. And the army goes rolling along. Out of all we have done, fighting till the battle's won. And the army goes rolling along. And it's high, high day. The army's on its way. Oh, oh, oh.